Welcome to another episode of the PFF College Football Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Seth Galina, PFF underscore Seth. Another great episode today. I spoke to um, Spencer Hall and Alyssa Lang, um, the other half of the Thinking Out Loud crew on the SEC network. And we talked to them about the SEC. And I think those two are just really smart people. Like they they know what they're talking about uh, when it comes to college football, when it comes to the SEC. Then, of course, I talked to Anthony Tresh about the upcoming games. I thought that was a really good discussion. Um, got into some scheme stuff. I, I went on my couple rants um, about, about um, the air raid and a little bit about... Um, not, a, not a rant, but uh, just some ideas I had about... Uh, Kirby Smart and what he was doing with the defense there in Georgia. Unfortunately, Mike Renner and Austin Gale could not join me this week, and therefore they are dead to me. And uh, so they they won't be on the podcast anytime soon. <laughs> no, um, they just they were uh, they're busy schedules, busy guys. Uh, but other than that, you know, um, excited for this weekend. I'm excited that. I don't have to watch LSU again this weekend. Um, just, it's been a rough one uh, for the Tigers. And, but you know what's funny? Like, I, I was actually really looking forward to watching LSU this weekend, even though they might get blown out by Florida, you know, you know whenever that game ends up happening. But, because, man, I, I just, it's fun watching your favorite team play. And even if this team is is as bad as it might be, um, I thought the offense, you know, assuming Miles Brennan is healthy, I thought the offense could get into shootouts. And at least if you're in some shootouts, maybe you you win a couple. You know, at the end of the day, like, they got down to the one-yard line. They had four tries from the one-yard line against Missouri. The offense moved the ball as well as, as it could have. So I guess I'm not worried. And then a few plays go here and there. You know, they get into the end zone on one of the run plays early. You know, something like that. LSU wins. It's a different story. So, yeah, I was still, even though LSU uh, might be bad on defense, I was still excited to watch them. But unfortunately, uh won't happen this week. But there are some great games. Of course, Alabama, Georgia is probably the biggest and uh, yeah, with all that said, uh, let's get into um, the interview I had with Spencer and Alyssa. All right, I'm now joined by <laughs> Alyssa Lang and Spencer Hall. They are uh, two of the four members of SEC Network's Think It Out Loud, uh, which you can catch Mondays at 7 p.m. Last week, I had Richard and Brandon from Thinking Out Loud. Now this is part two of what I'm calling Podcasting Out Loud uh, with uh, Alyssa and Spencer. So, uh, guys, how is the new show going? Spencer, I'll let you take that first. No, I was going to let Alyssa answer first. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, I'll answer it. It I'll might be my, it. It might be my first show. show, but this is not my first rodeo. I was going to let Alyssa take that. <laughs> it's going well. Um, I think these guys have been awesome. I have told everyone who has watched, I can't imagine if I started at ESPN in this way, like having to do virtual shows. I, I think people at home uh, maybe easily get frustrated with the delay between people talking and the way it looks, um, but it's a challenge. It's a challenge. And, and for these guys to have been able to come into this atmosphere and come into this 2020 fall 
and be able to really embrace it and make it fun, I, I think is incredible. And it only gives me, I think, more excitement for when we finally can all be in a studio together, because it's also important to point out that I think Spencer and Richard are the only people who've actually met each other in person or like know each other. So we uh, haven't even like had a beer together yet. <laughs> yeah, I've I've met Brandon from six feet away. Like okay. I've seen him on the, right. on the way in and out of the building. I've seen yeah. Brandon. So I really haven't even, I really haven't even met him and I've never seen Alyssa in person. I will say this. One interesting thing that I think has helped us is that Richard and I are internet natives. So we are totally used to working with and talking to people who we've never actually met. Like that's, you'll talk to people who have worked online for like a decade and they'll go, oh yeah, that guy's great. I've never met him, but I talk to him like every other day. So it, there are a lot of challenges to this, but there are also a lot of things that I think maybe the current media environment has prepared us for better than, than we expected, right? Because the one part about this that isn't awkward for me is working with people I've never seen. Like that's, that, that's the easiest part. I never even thought actually, and I didn't think about it until Alyssa just brought it up. You know, there's a lot of other things that you don't think about because the people that you're working with are really good. We're used to doing things completely on our own. So when you have somebody like Alyssa, who's running point and doing commentary and doing it in the studio and doing it all really well and pointing people and, 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 you know, merging traffic, we don't get that. It's amazing. You know, it's, it's a real, it, it is a, it is a force multiplier when you can have that on a set. And I think it's the, like, Alyssa's got the hardest job. The hardest job is always being the person who has to say things and who also has to think about what everybody else is saying. Right. Like that's the, that's the like classic Ernie Johnson role where you're trying to take three guys who are loud and barking and direct <laughs> them in the right direction. And you're having to do it remotely. So I don't really know how you're doing it that well um, and, and doing it like with such apparent ease. I know it's not easy, but you make it look easy. So thanks for that. Well, I appreciate that. I, I, yeah. Actually, I'm going to pivot the rest of this podcast to Alyssa giving me pointers on how to host things because as I mean, look, this is a very successful PFF Costable podcast, but still, I think I need some help. I actually really like you talking about the breaks in between because of the, the, the delay because um, you guys are doing it all virtual. That's my favorite part, because I just yell obscenities at, in, those, in that three seconds. Spencer, what are you, you're so stupid, Spencer. Like that, that is like 100% what I do. But okay, would you make, Alyssa, as a host, do you think you would make a good quarterback in that like type of like, or, or let, okay, I don't know, better question. What type of quarterback would you be if you're, if you're thinking about yourself as, uh, as, a, as an SEC quarterback, as an NFL quarterback, whatever? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I will say when I played like backyard football growing up, I always wanted to be the quarterback because I, I didn't necessarily want to take like full shots as far as like full contact tackle because that's how we played growing up in my neighborhood. Like doesn't matter how big or small you are, like you're getting the full brunt of whoever the kid next door is going to tackle you. So for that reason, I, I wanted to play quarterback. And I, I will say, I feel like I developed a pretty good arm from doing that. But I also, when it comes to sports and competition and things like that, like I'll get selfish. So I feel like if I had to compare myself to what I, you know, what I might look like out there, I might go like a more Tim Tebow-esque quarterback. Not to say Tim is selfish on the field, but like, 
I have you're saying Tim is selfish off the field. That's what you're saying? Is that no, what you're saying? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's what I heard. I don't know. Wonderful human being, but from the from the standpoint of like tucking the ball and yeah. just trying to run through people, that's sort of my bread and butter. And that's I think where I find joy in sporting events is full contact. So I feel like that's probably what I would look like. You'll call, I, your, own, yeah. you'll call your own number. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah, that's just just nonstop quarterback draws, just every play. Like, no, I sorry, like the, the Aaron Rodgers, like oh, I no, I'm sorry, I can't hear you through the headset. No, we're gonna call we're gonna call a quarterback draw right now. Uh Spencer, uh, same question to you. What what type of quarterback? I don't know if you if you played uh at that position growing up, but what type of quarterback do you think you would be? Oh, um I, I think it's pretty apparent that I'm Ryan Fitzpatrick. That there's <laughs> And I'm and I don't just say that because of the beard. I think you go like, I'm probably not. I'm, I'm all right. How's this? I'm definitely not a starter. I'm gonna be all right whether you play me or not because you know, hey, bars open at six and I got hobbies. Like that's you know, or uh, Jake Plummer is also I think probably the ideal because Jake Plummer, um, Jake Plummer took huge chances and was never afraid to try a speculative pass, but at the same time when it came to football, I think he always had the right idea. You know, Mike Shanahan really buckled down on him and wanted him to be more serious and be more grave and take football more seriously. And Jake Plummer said, I'm retiring to go play handball in Idaho and open a CBD dispensary. That's what he really did. The dream. <laughs> Honestly, it's the so, dream. I yeah, was so, so good at handball in grade five. Like, oh my God, I was the best handball. It didn't last very long because then the growth spurt started to happen. But yeah. Handball's hard. Handball is well, a grueling sport. The the difference in high school handball, like elementary school handball that you play, and the one you watch, like the European handball, it's it's like a totally different, it's a real, real sport. And it compared to the one that we played in high school. All right, and that's all the handball talk we have for this episode. <laughs> all right, uh, you know, so that, that uh, just um, so happy to have you guys on because I, I, I have really have liked um, what you guys have done with the show. Again, it, I, I can imagine how hard it is to get through something like that where uh, the delay is, is, is interesting. The delay is, and we're hearing it now more in, in all sports, even like, you know, you're watching a college football game live and the commentators aren't there and someone scores a touchdown and then like six seconds later you're hearing it so like i understand how how hard that would be but anyways let's talk about the sec for a bit uh lsu is going to get relegated right that's that's what's happening are we we're sure we're on that is that am i correct to think lsu is going to lose the rest of their games or or what's going on here no because they're suffering from the same disadvantages everyone else is it's just i think lsu is hitting them earlier and uh, with less established management so what's happening to lsu to alabama to old like old miss came pre-baked like how perfect is old miss <laughs> old miss is already like like they came into 2020 and they skipped the whole point where they had to go through losing a bunch of depth trying to get a roster filled and having no defense they came in like that they're ready like Last three or four yeah. games, you're going to be like, hey, we've been living here. This is good. I don't think LSU's going to lose the rest of their games. Um, but I also don't think there's a whole lot of – and and Alyssa disagree with me or not, but I don't think you fix a lot of what is already on the field. Like what you see out there, you might mitigate it a little bit, but that's the team, man. That's just how it's going to be. 
Yeah, and it's interesting to me, uh, anybody who's like surprised by what LSU looks like, I'm like, well, this is what we talked about all summer. Like everybody knew that this is what LSU was going to look like just from the sheer amount of talent that they lost. And I don't care who you are, you can't lose that amount of talent and then think you're going to run through a 10-game SEC schedule and be fine. Like it's just it's just not how it works. And I think Brandon Boykin put it uh, ferociously with us on Monday night when he said, nobody's afraid of LSU anymore. LSU's beatable. And we saw that through the first three weeks of the season. To Spencer's point, no, I don't think they lose out the rest of their games because I think there's plenty of other issues around the rest of the SEC and certainly throughout the rest of the Just a couple. <laughs> yeah. Um, they've got South Carolina now in two weeks, and South Carolina is a team that has a ton of problems on both sides of the ball, just like LSU. So it's sort of like, to me, some of these games are just a 50-50 toss-up between who showed up to play and who didn't. So, um, it, you know, I, I'm – Interested to see now where LSU goes from here because it's a rebuild at this point. Uh, as as much as that might pain Tiger fans to hear, it, it is what it is, and we knew it was going to be like this coming into the season. So um, not all's lost, but it's it ain't going to be a college football playoff year for sure. Okay, I just appreciate you guys talking me off the ledge. That's really all I wanted, you guys. Just like tell me if that the LSU's not going to lose a hundred games this year. Uh, well, like, you you have to you have to hear the same thing that Auburn fans had to hear in 2011 and 2012. You do not replace yeah, a generational talent. No, no, you don't. When you see a big tick on that productivity chart on all of your beautiful PFF charts that goes, <laughs> that's not a roster. That's a guy, and that's somebody yeah. who in college football can make a bigger difference than you can make in the pros. Auburn lost Cam Newton. They had a hard fall. LSU's talent levels higher and they're more consistent. You're still going to have regression. And it's not just they lost Joe Burrow. They lost Joe Burrow plus so many NFL players. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it's the record amount of, of picks uh, in, in the draft for one team. Uh, I wanted to go back to South Carolina because what I do on this, on this podcast every, every episode is I ask my guests uh, how their favorite team is going to get to the national championship game. So we'll start with Alyssa. South Carolina is going to the national championship game and they're going to win the national championship game. How? Um, well, my gut reaction is they're not, but I know that's not what we're trying to do here. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. That's fine. We could just end it right there. In reality, in two words, they're not. That's it. They're not going. Um, if they were to go, I would think somehow Holland Hill is able to get whatever shampoo and conditioner that Trevor Lawrence is using three and a half hours away in the upstate, put it on his own head and transform into whatever Trevor Lawrence is able to do, um, all and also steal Travis Etienne and maybe convince him to go to Columbia. And maybe they have a chance if the rest of the SEC <laughs> completely blows up. But other than that, uh, they're not. Yeah, no, I think 100% the only reason Trevor Lawrence is good is because of the conditioner. I've been saying that for years, actually. This is not a, not a point that I, that I haven't been making. So like, clearly we're in the same boat with that one. Yeah. Yeah, call, they, they're just, I think South Carolina's just not. And I, I'm beginning to like Will Muschamp more. I think this offseason did a lot for me to like, in terms of whether it's off the field or on the field. I, I mean, he's a yeller, he's a screamer, but I think he is a good coach. I think just like, they're not. And it's been a long time, but they're just not. They just don't have enough players. Uh, let's move to Florida and Spencer Hall. Uh, let's say Florida plays another game this year. 
Uh, what, how did they get to the national championship game and win it? They went out. They, they went out by scoring a zillion points. And Kyle Trask has to keep scoring. And they can't stop scoring. They can't turn the ball over because there's going to be very little protection on that side of the field. Um, you know, it's not like Florida's going to change anything they do defensively. You know, I'm like at this point, given cir- circumstances a- as they are, it's not like people change anyway. Like a good predictor of behavior, whenever I'm looking at, okay, okay well, what's a team or what's a person going to do? Um, they're not going to change. They're just going to make the same mistakes over and over again. And especially in the short term, there's not a whole lot of adjustment that they can do on the fly. And I think that goes for the people on the field. Florida will win every game with a shootout. They're going to look like LSU with less defense from last year if we're in a championship scenario. They're going to beat Georgia, which is the big flipper, because in my scenario, Georgia has to beat Alabama this weekend and then get to the SEC championship game, face a, uh, a team that they can definitely beat which is not Alabama. Alabama has to drop one along the way. So let's say that Alabama drops a yeah. shocker to, um, let's see, um, Arkansas. Area. Sure. Okay. Arkansas, go ahead and do sure. it. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? You, you're yeah, right here. For, I'm writing, you're here I'm for writing fan fiction. It's going to go the way I want it to go. <laughs> We're clicking okay? that exact moment and putting it online forever. And then Captain America picks up Thor's hammer. Yeah. That's my <laughs> moment, right? Like Arkansas upsets Alabama. That's how it happens. Uh, and then you go into the national title game against a, a, a scrappy, let's say, man, you can do anything with this playoff. Can't you like, you can do, it's we can Arizona. make up anything. Arizona state is going to be there. Arizona state. <laughs> okay, good. A good scrappy undefeated Arizona state team that has won every game. Herm Edwards style 13, nine. And then, uh, they can't hang. They can't hang, right? The Pac-12 finally gets it. This is like so perfect. They they get to the title game in a weird year because that's the only way the Pac-12 is getting in. And then we get Florida winning like 44-10. Okay, well, there you go. I, honestly, that was still shorter than when Richard tried to explain Florida against the National Championship game. And I, we all appreciate it. All the listeners appreciate that. Um, so Florida just came off the big win against... Sorry, sorry, sorry came off the loss to Texas A&M. I think big win because, like, honestly, they, they, played, they played really well on offense, like you were talking about. I mean, they really couldn't be stopped. Kyle Pitts is insane. Uh, Kadarius Tony made some great plays. and But then they end up losing the game to Kellen Mond and Texas A&M. And my question is, like, okay, come on. I love you. But can we get play like this week to week to week? Is that ever going to happen uh, and and in, in that case, will that make Texas A&M a real competitor? You know, you talked about the Alabama losing a game. Maybe, well, they already lost Texas A&M, I'm sorry. But maybe maybe they lose a game, and maybe Texas A&M, if they keep winning, is in the next championship game. Like, But it all depends on Kellen Mond. Is he real, finally? Like, what's going on? I think I, I like Kellen Mond. Um, I'm a big Kellen Mond fan. I've gotten to talk to him several times. Not only is he just like a – super nice kid but he has such a good head on his shoulders and I I look at Texas A&M schedule um they just beat Florida so they're they're what two and one right now with the loss to Alabama they've got a pretty easy schedule to finish out the season um Mississippi State who looks terrible right now Arkansas who's not an automatic dub anymore but if Texas A&M plays the way they played against Florida Arkansas shouldn't be a problem South Carolina, my thoughts on that already. Tennessee, <laughs> Miss, LSU, Auburn. So not that it's a cakewalk of a schedule because no 10-game SEC schedule will be, but there's a lot of winnable games left. 
I think one of the things that stood out to me from talking to Jimbo, I think this was last summer. Um, one of the things that Jimbo said was Kellen just got to get out of his own head. He's so cerebral and sometimes he just thinks too much. And sometimes when you watch him back there, certainly when he takes the snap and he's looking, making his reads, it's like, okay, stop thinking so much. Once Jimbo said that to me, it, it's so apparent uh, that that's something that he does. And, and I got to watch this up close and personal in the Texas Bowl last year when AM beat Oklahoma State. And I, I think Oklahoma State was up by a score too. I can't remember exactly, but it was Kellen Mond who really led that offense, some long drives, some big chunk plays down the field. And in the last two or three minutes of that game ends up getting the win. And that was when you could tell he was in that mode of just play football, just snap the ball, just do what I need to do. Trust my guys. And, and I think that's what we saw from Kellen Mond against Florida this past weekend was a guy who just went out there and had fun and, and just slinged the ball. And honestly, like as simple as that sounds, I think that that's been one of Kellen's big problems over the last couple of years is just getting too much in his own head. Um, so I hope that this was a coming out game for him, certainly, because I think if Texas A&M is good, it's great for the SEC. It's great for college football when Jimbo can be given postgame uh, interviews in the way that he was able to against Florida. Um, but to your point, I, I have to see this again. Like it can't yeah, just flash yeah. against the Gators. I think the, the your point about the reaction of a court, because we, we t- when we talk about any other position on the football field, it's like, oh, uh, you know, uh, read and react, read and react. Like if the, the offensive tackle goes this way and you're a defensive end and you, you follow. Like, that's it. Like, read and react, read and react, read and react. And like for quarterbacks, it's like, no, whoa, you got to sit. And then you got to do geometry and this and that. And it's like, no, no. You also just have to read and react to certain cues. And they're little cues and they're hard. And then you got to do that. You have to read all that. And the guy is 30 feet away. The quarterback is 30 feet away. And, it, and his hips are, are a little bit inside. And you're like, okay, now that his hips are inside, that means that the, 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 that means that the linebacker is doing this thing because they can't be doing both those things. And then I have to literally throw the ball accurately 30, 30 feet uh, you know, down the field. Like, it, it's so hard. Uh, and I think that our, our ideas on quarterbacks probably need to change in terms of just read and react. Just read and react. Don't think, just read and react. But it's hard. <laughs> like that's that's my whole life for the in my twenties was trying to get quarterbacks to do that, and it's so hard. But I I I I, I really understand what Jimbo was coming from with that. He also has something, by the way, that makes reading and reacting a lot easier than it used to be, which is he's got two big ass wide receivers, where maybe the ball placement was perfect against Florida. Sometimes it wasn't, and it doesn't have to be moving forward. If you got a big body who's going to block out and wall off a corner, uh, that's going to get a whole lot easier because um, I think they're big guys. What, Caleb Chapman? Yeah, and, got, I mean, he's uh, body the receiver on the post route. Yeah, for sure. That's one of the things with A&M, too, is last I, I think we heard Chapman's out for the season from that Ooh. game against Florida. So that's going to be some another yeah. challenge for Kellen Mond is if he didn't have enough um, is his big guy. I think he had 150 yards receiving against Florida. Like, that's a huge blow to Kellen. Yeah. Uh, also, they they do have, by the way, they have my favorite thing that A&M always has, which is uh, a giant guy with a uh, with an extremely like Germanic sounding name, Jalen Wertermeyer, their tight end, right? Like there's always some guy named like Schnackerlins or Wertermeyer or Norbingderung 
Deberger. Who, they're they're, they're like, Wisconsin South, I think. Like Minnesota. Yeah, like well, it's all those. It, it's all of those. Like like most people kind of forget that there's a reason that all of Texas's potato salads have mustard seeds in them and not mayo because yeah, so many people uh, forget that. Very, of course, like that's why we, that's why that's why Texas is like beef country, right? Like that's that's why you get all of these like gigantic like sausages. That's it's like super German, right? And Central European. And Adam always has like somebody with like that that last name that goes from like shoulder to shoulder. So that's how I know they're a classic Aggie team. Uh, so I, I wrote an article this week about how the, the SEC has become a passing league. And you guys started your episode on Monday night with kind of the idea of like, what happened to the defenses? Like what, what's going on? And so I guess, I guess I want to ask you guys, like, is, is there, is this just like a three week thing? Or is this like a real trend where, where you know, my, my thesis was basically once teams start spreading it out and passing the ball more, every defense just ends up looking like the Big 12. And we, A, we have to retire all of our Big 12 sucks on defense jokes. And B, we just have to live in this world where maybe offense, when you do the right things, just, just works. Like, like there's no like yet right or wrong. Oh, no, I like to be a full, uh, you know, we like to run ISO with a fullback, blah, blah, blah. No, there's one way of doing it, and it's the right way, and you're going to beat defenses all, all the time. So is th- that was my thesis. I'm not even sure if I like it that much, but – I'm curious to what you guys think. Is this a trend or is this a three-game blip, a three-week blip? I think, I think it's a trend because we, we, we pass on first down more. Sorry. That, uh, yeah. We pass on first down. That's, like, and that's, that's like, 100%. I think that's like the one thing, the one thing that, that changes everything. When people can get all like all in their heads about, well, we've got these guys and this personnel from here. And like, we get more guys from Texas and California and the people from Florida and Louisiana are heavier. So we know we get big tackles. This is a counter move to that. That's way too complex. Like, I think the initial thing is we pass on first down now. We trust that, right? Like, the original Mr. Pass on first down guy is now the second choice for offensive coordinator at LSU, right? Like, that's that was Mr. NFL. I pass on first down and get made fun of it, right? Scott Linehan, a guy who was instrumental in the creation of the spread offense at Northwestern and, and um, at other stops, and a longtime NFL coordinator. That's the guy who is the replacement for the big change at LSU. So it's not like we're on a, uh, it's not like we're on the crest of a trend. We're well past it, right? Yeah. Like the counter has probably already begun. You know, it has changed because I think in short, the SEC really thrived on big fat guys. Like that was Nick Saban's answer for Florida in 2000 was I need big fat guys. I need a, I need a skull cracking heavy unit. You can't move around. That's going to bust up your protections in the middle and keep everything to the to the center of the field in terms of the run. And now we've come back all the way around. So I think it is a trend, but I think the whiplash, uh, just because you have better athletes who are committed to football in the South than in any other part of the country, you're going to get them at positions, hybrid positions. I think the answer, like the future that you see is what um, is what Dave Aranda did last year for LSU. I think uh, the blueprint for that is in part Gary Patterson running the 425. I think, you know, without getting way in the weeds strategically here, I think it's hybrid defenses that rely on pressure and players who can play multiple positions, just like what happened in the NFL when the spread hit. The NFL got crazy multiple uh, and had a couple of different solutions. And I think that's what you'll see in college football uh, long-term because we'll get skill guys on defense. They're just not going to be, you know, when was the last time you saw somebody like Terrence Cody? 
No, they don't exist on the anymore. line. You can't. You can't. No, we don't. Yeah, it's we can't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm totally with you, Spencer. I, I think this is a <laughs> not a one-time thing, but I think this is a 2020 like, whoa, okay, this is happening. I mean, I just yesterday was looking at the SEC receiving leaders, and I think there's two tight ends in the top 10. And, and I look at the list, like one through 20, and the names are just like athlete after athlete after athlete. And to Spencer's point, what we saw LSU do last year with four, five extremely talented receivers who weren't necessarily labeled as a wide receiver, it's like, okay, well, everybody's doing that now. And there's so many talented guys who can pass catch. Look at Kylan Hill and what he was able to do for Mississippi State in week one. He was basically a wide receiver, just had an RB next to his name on the roster. So I look at the wide receiver talent overall that's in the SEC this year. And I also do think there's something to be said for what this preseason looked like. And I know we're now four weeks into the season or this weekend will be I, I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday, just as far as how important communication is from an offensive standpoint versus a defensive standpoint. If a wide receiver runs a wrong route, then Kellen Mond or Kyle Trask, whoever it is, has his tight end, or he has his wide receiver too, or he has somebody else who's trying to get open. If, a, if an offensive lineman misses an assignment or misses a block, you're hoping a tight end or a blocking back or something can come through and pick that up. If you blow an assignment on defense, so, like you're screwed. You're yeah, screwed. I don't know if you guys so, watched the LSU Missouri game, but uh, exactly. yeah. so it's like the the lack of reps that these guys had coming into the season and the lack of time that they had with their coordinators and with their teammates and just being able to learn the kind of coverages they're supposed to be in, I really think plays a role in what we're seeing in 2020 because a lot of these guys are having to figure this out on the fly and communication is just so much more important on that side of the ball. The little amount that they had coming into this season, I have to have to believe plays a role in what we're seeing. There, there was a yeah, cliche. And, Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, say, just like in soccer, like, like keeping shape, yeah. right? Like, oh. like, like keeping shape is all about check with me. I see you. We're going to keep everything in front of us. We're going to, if I try to cut off the ball here, you're behind yeah. me. That's why, I mean, the cliche is that, yeah, offenses were generally behind the defenses when fall camp finished. That's, and that's what I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, um, sorry sorry to cut you off, but I was like, I think he's going to say this. Say. <laughs> um, and, and I want this point. I'm the guest, so I'm going to eat it. Um, <laughs> the, on the table, I'm going to snatch it. Uh, the But but yeah, like it, require, it relies so much more on communication. And it relies, you know, building on what Alyssa said, if you can't maintain basic shape, like this is LSU. I know this is a matter of lack of practice because I saw who was chasing an open receiver against Mizzou. And that was Derek Stingley. Yeah. Derek Stingley quite a, is quite a one of the times, best, yeah. best two or three cornerbacks in the nation. Him being out of position on a play is not a matter of a lack of talent or skill. It's a matter of a lack of communication. And I think so. So my point was going to be basically what you're saying about how that idea of like, oh, well, defense can just go line up and play. But the problem is that was true when everyone lined up with a fullback and a tight end, because you can make in, in that small space, in that small box with everyone in that area, you can make a mistake. And there's a guy like 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 in physical distance from you. He's he's very close to you. He's a foot away from you. He's two feet away from you. He's a meter away from you, whatever. So you can make a mistake and it'll get cleaned up. 
when you go four wide, five wide spread, if you make a mistake, your buddy is not next to you. He is not even close to you. So you got to be able to communicate. And then the speed, I mean, you got to get light, you know, Al, uh, Nick Saban was complaining about it uh, against, um, against Ole Miss this weekend about like, you know, the tempo and they were stealing signals. Uh, yes. Okay. Look, everyone's stealing signals, Nick, like, come on. But uh, like you, the tempo, like you got to line up, get the play call. The offense already has the play call. They're, uh, they're in front of you and, and, and then try and line up and, and then not, and not have any communication errors. It is so difficult. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, what's happened to Mike Leach in the last two weeks. So we saw the game against LSU, 620 passing yards. You know, what I said after the game was Bo Pelini kind of – I hate saying stuff like this, but it did feel like Bo Pelini kind of let the team down in terms of the game plan. Playing a lot of man coverage when we have years and years of data that's backed up not doing that against a, a Mike Leach you're, you're, you're team. An LSU, you're, you're an LSU fan? You go ahead and run on that. <laughs> run on, run on that for for as long as you need to. You have that right. Yeah, and I'm going to run for the rest of my life at this point. Uh, so, so I guess, and then we saw, then we saw what Kentucky and Arkansas did, which is exactly what Washington had done to him, and just drop everyone off, play zone. Do we think that Mike Leach is going to adapt? Do we think that? I, I won't even say just Mike Leach. The whole team, the whole offense. Do we see them scoring points? You know, you, you know. Arkansas, Kentucky's got a good defense. Arkansas is like, you know, we're not really sure where they are this year with the new, with the new uh, head coaching and coordinators and stuff. They're going to play better teams going forward, too. Like, do we see them figuring it out? Okay, we're still new here in the system, blah, blah, blah. Or, or is this like, well, they need to change. They need to do something completely different. It's an interesting question. I, I think when you talk about oh man, how are all these offenses lighting up the scoreboard and there's no defense, but the one team that you expected to really do it after week one now hasn't. Like it's it's such like a mind-bending concept, I think. But I think this is also what happens when your offense is just one-dimensional and everybody knows exactly what you're going to do every time you're on the field. I mean, Kentucky had six interceptions against Mississippi State. That is insane. They had... To what? I don't know. I don't know math. Mississippi State had two points, and Kentucky had six interceptions, three times as many interceptions. It's it's insane to me. So I, I don't know what I anticipate Mike Leach doing moving forward. Um, but I do know if obviously they want something to change, then something will have to change. They they have been without Kylan Hill. I think they were without Kylan Hill this past weekend against Kentucky. And obviously that's a huge thing when you lose your go-to guy out of the backfield who's going to rack up yards on the ground for you. So if they can get him back or if they can get some sort of ground game going and disguise anything at all, then maybe this changes for Mississippi State. But how hard is it for a defensive coordinator, specifically looking at Barry Odom and what he did when Arkansas beat Mississippi State to say, all right, yeah, drop back and let's play zone. They're going to throw it. Like all you have to do is out-athlete them and knowing what Arkansas has in their secondary with some veteran linebackers. If you've got guys who are sophomore, junior, seniors and, and understand 
what your defensive coordinator is looking for and the kind of communication that's on the sidelines, like it can't be that hard to game plan for an offense like Mississippi State. So I anticipate them doing something. I don't know what Spencer thinks because I know Spencer loves this Mississippi State team right now, or at least uh, talking about what in the world they look like. I, I, I don't know. I, my head is, I'm scratching my head with this one. So with Mike Leach, I know the one thing that won't happen is change. Nothing will change. You know, um, like I, Alyssa said, you know, you go, well, maybe they'll get more of a ground game. Ah, he might. If he heard you say that, I think he'd probably run it less just despite both of us. Well, it's good because I send, I send the, the MP3s of all of these episodes directly to Mike Leach at MSU.edu. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could, and he would probably call you at two in the morning and go, you know, we're not going to do that. Like that's the dude doesn't change. Dude has changed nothing. Like, like so little, they occasionally work in a few new things, but on the whole wide receivers don't switch sides. They catch the ball from the same angle. Every time when they run routes, they've run practices the same way since, since I covered Chris Hatcher in like 2009, it was like a big area disciple 2008. They run practices the exact same way that he did at Georgia Southern when he was there for a second, um, you know, which I've seen and it works, but man, nothing's changing. Absolutely nothing's changing. What's going to happen is what you're already seeing, which is one guy's not getting it done. Next up, it works a lot like the triple option. It works a lot like Paul Johnson and the triple option would where I'm just going to try the next guy and I will keep trying guys until they do exactly what I want them to. And it will, it, it's like the option in that if you have perfect fundamentals and you do what you're supposed to, you will stop it. And if you don't, which teams often do not have perfect fundamentals, hello, 2020, you're going to light some people up. So like Seth, Alyssa, the weirdest thing is that we're going to see Mississippi state happen and they can score two points. And then if they came out this weekend and they scored 48, I also would not be surprised. Yeah at all that would just mean that the other team was having a bad day fundamentally but if you have good fundamentals it's going to be washington washington state it's going to be texas tech oklahoma every single time you're going to watch them take a whooping and if somebody's off they're going to find out whoever's off sometime in the second half because what another thing mike leach does watch those first quarters they're just poking that's all they're doing they're going okay what where's the hole oh there Oh, we're just going to keep hitting that. So nothing's yeah. changing. Like and I, I, the first thing I would do is say, Hey, you need to run the ball more and you know, you need to stick with a quarterback. You know what he's not going to do stick with a quarterback. Who's not getting it done and might turn and he's not going to run the ball anymore. Like Kylan Hill, Kylan Hill's a receiver. Now that's, he's going to have to go into the draft is that. And I, I also wonder what they would do if they didn't have Kylan Hill being as good as he is. And even last year with Max, uh, Max Borgie, like, those are the guys you absolutely need to just make those three yard swing passes into eight yard swing passes into first downs into, into all that stuff. Yeah. I think, you know, you talk about Texas tech. The funny thing with Texas tech was, okay, well actually, first of all, the first point I want to make is you talk about the triple option. I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong here, but you have to treat this offense. Like it's a triple option. You cannot just go in like Bo Pelini did and say, this is my defense. Have fun. This is my defense. Uh, do whatever you want to it. Uh, we're just going to try and play fundamental football and blah, 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 blah. Like, no, you have to go and say, this is an offense that is completely different than anything we're going to face this year. Even though, even though 
everything has been taken from the air raid over the past 20 years. The formations, the concepts, the, the splits, it, everyone runs that stuff. But the amount of passing, you know, we talked about first down passing before and just overall pass rate. The amount of passing changes what you have can and should do uh, as a defense. And and I think we are seeing that. And it'll be interesting to see if 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 they adjust. Though I think I'm on Spencer's side that I don't think Michael Leach is going to do anything of the sort. Um, I mean, that's that's like that's the trick here. Like, like if we want to understand, a lot of times when we talk about you know, um, when we talk about teams, personnel changes so fast in college football that we have to use the coach, the mascot, the fan base as a stand-in for the actual team. If we're just doing shorthand, right? You just say, okay, well, it's Alabama Ole Miss and it's 11 guys versus 11 guys. Okay, we, well, how are they going to look? It's going to look like Nick Saban versus Lane Kiffin, which works real well, right? Like, we know what we're getting with a Nick Saban team now. We know what we're gonna, probably going to get with a Lane Kiffin team. When we talk Mike Leach, Everybody goes, ah, it's the festive guy. It's the creative guy. It's the guy who was, you know, the father of the air raid. Well, it's not that simple. You know, the air raid is a pretty diverse family and it involves more figures than Mike Leach. He would say this. So it's not anything controversial. The other thing is that if you're talking Mike Leach, you're talking about somebody who's actually very fundamentalist about how he does things a lot, right? This is still a coach. And one of the things that's made him so successful and consistent across the board is not changing, is being inflexible and rigid about a number of things. And this includes the way he manages quarterbacks. If you're surprised to see KJ Costello lose the game after three weeks, you didn't watch Texas Tech, especially toward the end, right? They had a nice handoff period where they just put a guy in and he threw for 5,000 yards every season. But at both Washington State and at Texas Tech, there were some awkward periods where um, he was pretty impatient with quarterbacks. That's not uncommon with super offensive guys who really pride themselves on scoring a lot of points. <laughs> Steve Spur here. But um, you know, you'll, you'll get the hook quick. And I, it, but that's, that's been consistent too, right? Like that kind of inconsistency has actually been pretty consistent with him in terms of how he handles talent and how he handles quarterbacks. It's much more of a system than it is a talent management bureau, right? Like there's some guys like Lane Kiffin, man, say this about Lane. If you got a guy, guess where Lane's going to put you wherever you need to be. Are you a tight end who can catch the ball 500 times? Guess what? I'll find the tight end catches the 500 ball offense. I will make it for you, right? Not Leach, man. He'd see a tight end who could catch the ball 500 times and go, cool, you're a wideout. I, I remember when, when Crabtree got to Texas Tech and it was like, this is, this is like the best receiver that Texas Tech probably ever had, to tell you the truth. And Leach said, and most offensive quarters, like you're talking about, most offensive quarters would say, all right, let's move him around. He's going to play there. He's going to play there. He's going to play there. And Leach said, nope. We're going to play him there. We're going to call the concepts that we think work in this case for him, but he's not going to move. He's going to run the same thing we've been doing and his talent will outshine everyone. And we saw that for, for two years, basically. I mean, like uh, they were, they were unstoppable. And obviously we all remember the Texas tech, uh, Texas game, um, the, the big upset there. So uh, anyways, I, I, this was a fantastic uh, talk. Uh, absolutely loved it. I think our listeners are going to have a, a grand old time listening to this. Um, thinking out loud Mondays at 7 p.m. on the SEC network. Uh, go check it out. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, though. All first time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight that put at least $20 into their account while using promo code PFF will receive a free, free 
PFF Edge annual subscriptions. That's a $40 value for just $20. And you'll get that opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy football and prop games at one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the USA in Monkey Knife Fight. Go to Monkey Knife Fight and deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF Edge annual subscription. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcast. They will provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every week. And sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. All right, I'm joined as always by Anthony Tresh, PFF underscore Anthony. Uh... Another big weekend coming up, uh, especially in the SEC with a big game. We have uh, one cancellation we know of. Well, sorry, one postponement we know of. LSU will not be allowing 50 points this week. Uh, Bo Pelini is, is, is happy finally. His defense will not allow any points this week because LSU Florida was postponed. But still good stuff in the SEC, in the ACC, in the Big 12. And then next week, we know uh, the Big 10 coming back. But let's start Saturday afternoon, number one, Clemson versus the real number one, Georgia Tech, and the real number one uh, quarterback for the Heisman Trophy, Jeff Sims. Uh, Clemson's not going to lose, right? No, I think Jeff Sims is going to throw three or four interceptions. I'm booking that. I'm going to have to find a prop for that and hammer whatever the over is because he's going over just because Darion Kendrick, you got Andrew Booth back there too. Those two cornerbacks, man, they're playing so damn good right now. Andrew Booth is like the sick, the, he almost had another one-handed interception. I think we might've talked about this on, uh, 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 you know, on the recap episode earlier this week, but Holy, he is so athletic. Yeah. It's like, Oh man, how, like, I, 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 again, I think I talked about this already this week, but, like, of course they just find m- more good players, right? It's kind of, like there's five teams in the country that just can go out and reload like this, and Clemson's one of them, and it's crazy. Yeah, no kidding. And one of my favorite cornerbacks on the roster hasn't even played that much when he has it. He hasn't been that great. Mario Goodrich, I think that guy's going to be a stud here in a couple of years. I thought you would be the breakout guy, and we have Darion Kendrick and Andrew Booth. I mean – yeah, they, Clemson's a juggernaut. They're they're going to be. They're not going away anytime soon. Uh, is what is what is your the path to victory for Georgia Tech? I don't think there is one. Okay, good. All right, next, let's go on to uh, let's go on to uh, Cincinnati and Tulsa. Uh, Tulsa, you know, we, we only have two games of them. Big upset against UCF, and then a game that they really could have won against Oklahoma State. Now they get Cincinnati at home. Cincinnati is ranked number eight in, eight in the country. Uh, if Tulsa wins, is this an upset? Like, do, how, I guess what my question is, how good do we think Tulsa is? You know, I don't, I don't think they're that good. So I, if they do end up winning, I think it would be a huge upset. I think the line is, you know, a field goal right now, which yeah. is kind of crazy. I mean, just because Cincinnati's defense is it's, playing it's, better it's than any, yeah. yeah, they're playing better than anybody. I mean, they have Elijah Ponder, Imaje Sims down there on the defensive line. First and sixth and PFF grade at that position. And then in the secondary, Ahmad Gardner, uh, Kobe Bryant, and Arquan Bush, 
those three guys, man, they're just playmakers back there. Sorry, making plays left and right. Did you say Kobe Bryant? Kobe Bryant? Yeah. yeah. Not, 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 yeah. Not like, yeah. Yeah. Not, Dude, not, right. not LA Lakers. Uh, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. That's sad. You're making me sad, Seth. But well, anyway. I, I, I look. I, I don't know. I don't know uh, everyone on Cincinnati's roster. Like I, for those who don't know, uh, PFF Anthony knows every player from every school in the country, and he knows their PFF grade as well. So sorry, I didn't. I didn't know that uh, Kobe Bryant was also playing for uh, uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats. All right, let's move let's, on to. Well, hang on. I got. A, I got a good, interesting okay. stat about Gardner, Kobe Bryant, Arkham Bush. Those three. Those trio right there combined have allowed a 23.8 passer rating in coverage those three 23.8 you, you can throw the ball away 39.6 i mean that's how great these guys have been but yeah on to the next one cincinnati <laughs> rolling with them yeah i think we're gonna roll with cincinnati just how good that defense is and i, I just don't i don't know if tulsa's can score enough like the, the tulsa defense is pretty is probably better than the offense i would say uh, i just i don't think tulsa can score enough all right pittsburgh and uh miami do we get the bounce back from well from both teams actually? But what I'm really looking for is the bounce back from Miami. But but are we going to see Kenny Pickett have a big game against um, you know against like a, a big time opponent and kind of vault himself into some discussions about? Whether it's the NFL draft, not the Heisman, of course, but like maybe the NFL draft, maybe um, somewhere along those lines, like he's he's put up some really good grades for us uh, so far this year. He's playing really good football. I think Pitt needs a, a, a win like this to give Pickett the the stardom that he might deserve this year. Yeah, and I, I think this is you know sneakily that one of the better matches of the week just because of Derek King going up against Pitt's defense, which is probably the second best in the ACC behind Clemson at this point. But my only concern with Kenny Pickett is, you know, that game against Austin P is kind of, you know, paying heavy yeah. on all of his stats. And even with that performance, he's still at a 75.4 passing grade. You know, I, I, I would have liked to see him play better against defenses like, you know, Louisville and Boston College and NC State. I, but he was just kind of, you know, very volatile, you know, just very up oh, and down. Welcome to the world of Kenny Pickett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true. I, I do think he, you know, I thought he was a little underhyped entering the year, but I, now I think he's getting, you know, the right proper recognition. That makes sense. As is. All right. Uh, let's go to the SEC, Auburn and South Carolina. Auburn uh, losers of two straight because I'm considering <laughs> I'm considering that uh, last uh, spike to be a fumble and an Arkansas recovery. Uh, no, so Arkansas comes in two and one, South Carolina one and two. Bo Nix is just the guy that we thought uh, that he was, and this probably isn't a close game. I think Auburn's still a lot better than South Carolina. But I, I, I guess I just hope that Bonex puts it together in these type of games. Like we need to see it. Like all right, like you, you go in against Georgia's defense; they're legit, they're top class. Like I get it. But like, let's see you put together some games against the South Carolinas of the world, um, and and hopefully, hopefully, he just starts developing. I guess that's the only thing I really want to. See. I just want to see him develop a little bit. Yeah, and I, I think he has a little bit, and I, I think his start to the season is kind of. 
you know, it's kind of hard to look into just because he has had to bail in the pocket so many times. And sometimes it's holding onto the balls too long, but a lot of times it's the pass protection. You know, they're not picking up blitz and stuff like that. So, I mean, he's actually had to bail in the pocket about a quarter of his dropbacks, and he's been absolutely abysmal in those plays. I mean, he looks like Bo Nix from last year, making a lot of bad throws, a lot of bad decisions, trying to do way too much. But on, you know, those true dropbacks, I know you love to look at, he actually has fared pretty well. I mean, you take out play action passes, RPOs, quick throws, you name it, you know, the standard inside the pocket, five to seven dropbacks. I mean, he's he's been pretty good. He's had a PFF passing grade around 90.6 on those scenarios. So, you know, it it's a lot better than what we saw last year in that metric. But yeah, I'm right there with you. I, we need to see him play against a good defense. But at the end of the day, I, I, I'm not sure he's ever going to really turn out to be the player everyone thought he was going to be for Auburn. I mean, he was just 10th on our SEC quarterback rankings that dropped this week. So I, I, I don't think much more of him than that. Uh, Louisville goes into South Bend to take on Notre Dame. I think this was a better matchup uh, before the season started. And then Louisville, here's the problem. Like, they lose to Notre Dame. Notre Dame's a good team. Like, they're 1-4. They're 0-4 in the ACC. You know, I think with, with Louisville, the thing that's interesting is they definitely performed over expectations uh, a year ago, and maybe this is clearly who are. I mean, we can't we can't forget where they were the last year with Petrino. They were this is one of the worst defenses that we've seen, uh, you know, at the Power Five level in in 2018 under Petrino. Satterfield comes came in, did a great job. I think they're they're he's going to build a good program, but like this is probably closer. You know, if they end up at like uh, how many games are they playing? Like nine or ten, or if they end up like five and five, six and five, five and six, I think that's probably closer to where they they are than the eight win team we saw. Uh, in and then on the other side, you have Notre Dame, who I, I kind of think we're still not even sure about them either, because we want to see. You know, you've you've talked about this a lot. You know, last year book graded well, but when you look at the splits between. Uh, basically group of five defenses versus power five defenses that he played. There's a huge split, like very good against weak op- competition. And then just an average guy, maybe even below average against uh, power five teams. So what do you, what, what are you looking forward, forward to in this game? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to watch out for, especially with this Louisville offense. I mean, they were one of the most efficient passing offenses last year in the ACC conference. conference. I think they were actually – one of the most improved altogether from 2018 to 2019 in the entire FBS. And so it's going to be really hard for him to kind of pick up, you know, see him get back to where they were this week because Notre Dame's defense is really, really good. You know, mentioned Pitt right behind Clemson. I would put Notre Dame right there with Pitt for one of the best defenses in the ACC, just with all the playmakers they have on the defensive side of the ball. But I mean, really what I'm looking forward to, because Notre Dame's going to win this one. They're going to win by a lot. But I just want to see Ian Book actually take advantage of the offensive line he has in front of him. I mean, this is looking like one of the best offensive lines we'll ever come across in the PFF college era. But yet he's had one of the lowest passing grades from a clean pocket this year. You know, granted, his receiving unit isn't all that great. But, I mean, he just has not been impressive at all. And I think if you you put a somewhat above average quarterback on Notre Dame's roster – I would think they could go toe-to-toe with Clemson. They, they just do not have above-average quarterback. I mean, I, I was kind of worried coming into the year just because of those power five, group of five splits, like you were saying. And so far, it just has not been looking great for him. North, uh, Texas A&M uh, gets Mississippi State this week. 
I think the thing with Texas A&M is, especially in these type of games, is like, let's just see, you know, I talked about it with Alyssa and Spencer. It's like, let's just see if we can get Kellen Mond to do this on a week-to-week basis. And the other thing, again, we talked about that earlier with, with uh, Alyssa and Spencer, but the air raid. So Bo Pelini comes out, plays his man coverage, blitzes people, it gets torched. Arkansas, you know, under um, Barry Odom, and then I forgot the DC's name at um, – Kentucky, but, you know, with Mark Stoops there, <laughs> at Arkansas rushed three players on 62, or sorry, on 63 of the 64 snaps that um, that Mississippi State ran, uh, the passing snaps that Mississippi State ran, like as well as like 98%, they blitzed one time. Uh, Kentucky did it on 77% of their snaps and then no more than a four-man rush on, I think, like 95% of their snaps. Like, come on, Mike. <laughs> Sorry. Hey. Just like, but okay, so here's a point, and I, and I wrote this on Twitter um, earlier today, but one of the interesting things about how football and strategy has gone on defense, three-man rush usually tells you and will tell Leach you know, a light box, five-man box, run the football. The issue is these tight fronts where you have all five, let's say, defensive players packed in between the tackles is a great way to still stop the run even though you have a light box because you're, you're protecting all the gaps inside the tackles and the ball is forced to bounce outside to your speedier players and you can just run and chase it down. You want the ball to go sideline to sideline horizontally instead of just, instead of like a regular three man rush, like you'd see in the NFL where you have two defensive ends, one guy in the middle, and now you can hand the ball off and get vertical right away because you have no one in the B gaps. That's not the case anymore. So you have these teams that are running this type of front like honestly 80% of college football is maybe even 90% of college football is. So they don't even have to change anything. It's not like you're saying, Oh, we have to put in this defense for Mike Leach and the air raid. We're just running our thing and we're dropping everyone coverage. And it's like, we, we've just spent the week not having to teach anything different. We're, we're just making it so hard on the quarterback because he has eight guys in coverage every, every play. And we can stop the run game because this is we're already doing what we've done from you know you know in normal years from spring practice and 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 fall camp. So like, I, I think it's tough right now on that on that uh, Mississippi State offense because it's just like what what, think, what are, you, yeah. So I'm going you, on here. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I want to get your opinion on this. Do you think the Mike Leach air raid is going to fail in the SEC unless they're going up against Bocalini and the LSU Tigers? That is. <laughs> yeah, they should just play hopefully every week. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to say that. Look, we're talking three weeks in, and they, I mean, damn, they, they, they broke the SC record for passing yards in a game already in, in one of those three weeks. So I'm not ready to say it's not going to work, but it just seems so obvious that this is like the correct way to stop the air raid. We have data on it uh, in his time in the Pac 12 with Washington doing the same thing for, for, for all these years. I, like, I don't want to say he, he's been found out because his offense is he's been around for like two decades as a head coach. And then even a few more as an, as an offensive coordinator. So like he is off, they score points, but this two game sample size, which is very small, Kentucky and Arkansas 
have shown some things, and I'm curious to see if it plays out uh, like that for the rest of the season. Okay, North Carolina and Florida State. UNC, Sam Howell, finally got the ball downfield, and then you saw you saw what this team can do uh, when he's able to, when they're able to hit explosive plays down the field, when he's able to connect with his receivers on these go routes, on these slot fades down the field. Um, so, so maybe this is finally the North Carolina that, that we thought we might get in the, in the preseason and they're going against the Florida state team that is still, uh, still abysmal. Yeah. I mean, but I still want to see Sam Howell and, and Mac Brown and Sam Howell, they have to push the football down have the field. To, they have to, they have, have to, have to have a to. lot more. They only did it. I mean, they, he hit two great yeah. deep balls. Both were touchdowns. I mean, that's what you see in the highlight reels and it's easy to come over at those like, Oh, they actually attacked on field, but that's the only times they actually attacked count field. I mean, there was a lot of short shallow concepts in there. So I, I still want to see them if they're ever going to get to a point where they might give, you know, Notre Dame or, you know, Miami Clemson a run for their money and kind of actually warrant their number five ranking right now, which I'm a huge North Carolina fan. I mean, I wrote a deep dive over him oh, yeah. this offseason. I, I thought they could have a chance at upsetting Clemson, but come on, not number like five this. in the country? It's not possible. No, no it's not no, possible. It, not, like, yeah. not the way they've been playing. And honestly, when you, you know, we'll, we'll get to Boston College or Virginia Tech as the next game, but okay, scored a lot of points against Virginia Tech, though they allowed a lot of points too. And Virginia Tech, like, we don't even know anything about them because they don't, half their team doesn't play every week. So it's like I'm not sure what how much to put on this North Carolina North Carolina win when we also just don't know anything about Virginia Tech. So, anyways, what's your thoughts on this one? Boston College, uh, big win last week. Like, is this a team now that that you know they got a defense that's all right? Is this a team that that can maybe make a play in the ACC? Um, I kind of think, you know, that for a few years there, they were just kind of stuck in that mid tier type of status. You'd see him go seven and five. I think this is kind of that same type yeah. of, you know, same type of team. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, their defense is playing pretty well, you know, from top to bottom. I mean, they have a pretty loaded defensive line there that's playing, you know, well beyond what I thought they would, um, shoot. Uh, I don't know how to say this. I got to remember. I'm not helping. Uh, Chibuzi, Amuka, I think. No, not that one. I'm so bad with names. Amuka, he's been great with uh, against the run down there, down in the trenches, a two-year defensive lineman. um, Played at Buffalo before this, so uh, you know, I I do think this is kind of that mid middling type of uh, Boston College type of team. I really like uh, what Phil Jerkovic's doing, though. I I mean, I do think he he might actually be better than Ian Book. I'm going to say I think he's a better better quarterback (laughs) than Ian Book at this point. You know, he has a nice a 73.8 pff grade so he's got the uh my thing with uh with phil is man it is like a grenade launcher when he goes and rears that thing back it is such an overhead delivery it's wild it's wild and i it's like takes him forever to get rid of the ball but you know he is a good quarterback and i've and i agree with you i've liked a lot of the things that he's done so more so so um so far in terms of his reads and stuff like that. And he's, 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 he's young. He's got like, he'll play another two years, two seasons with Boston college. So I think the future is kind of bright there. We're going to finish it off with the, um, the game of the weekend. Georgia goes to Alabama, 8 PM, the night kickoff CBS. So I, I just finished rewatching uh, Georgia's defense. 
And I was like, oh, I see it. I see, I see what you're doing, Kirby. They are, they, no. They played Tennessee. They played Auburn. They played Arkansas. I don't think Kirby said any of those teams are good enough. The, the players that those offenses put on the field are good enough to beat us consistently one-on-one. And they play man coverage like almost every snap. It was their most used coverage, uh, whether it was a rundown or a pass down in all three of those games. And then your, you know, your, your second most used coverage is not even some exotic, you know, too high stuff. It's cover three. So you're showing the same one high look and then you're just playing zone out of it instead of man. So, which, and honestly, you know, a lot of concepts are going to distribute, you know, for the defense are going to end up in a man, uh, in, in a, in a man coverage look, even if you're in cover three compared to cover one, you know, after the distribution of the route. So Kirby's like, I, I got better players than you. They've absolutely, absolutely dominated when they played man coverage. And that includes, I think both um, Josh Palmer deep touchdowns uh, that Tennessee scored uh, in the game last weekend. So absolutely dominated, including two deep touchdowns. The question is, now you've got John Mechie, now you got Devonta Smith, and now you got Jalen Wall come to town. Can you, even if you're Georgia, can you match up consistently man-to-man against those insane players that Alabama has on the field? Or are you going to have to vary it? Are you going to have to say, hey, maybe we'll play too high. Maybe we'll give up a little bit in the run game because we just can't stay with those players. Um, it's going to be a no for me, dog. I, I just, <laughs> I, I think Alabama's going to blow them out of the water. I really Whoa! Do. I kind of think I, so too. I didn't, I didn't want to say it first though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you, you put Devonta Smith, I mean, Jerry Judy or not Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddle, <laughs> so many J names, John Mechie too. There's another J name. I think those three have the potential to be top. I mean, they're already top 10 wide receivers yeah. in the SEC. I mean, Smith and Waddle are perhaps, you know, two of the top five easily. John Melchie looks like he might eventually be there, you know, by the end of the season. So, you know, I, I like what Georgia has back there. I, I like Tyson Campbell. I like Eric Stokes, but I, I don't think they're going to be able to hang with them. I, I do like what Kirby Smart's doing with the defense, like you were explaining. I mean, some of the pass rushes he's dialing up too. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. I mean, that's how he absolutely killed Bo Nix that way. You know, sending some of those linebackers yeah. in there, that's, that's how they – they got Bo Nix to make bad decisions and won the game. Um, but I'm really worried about, you know, I, I think Alabama is going to come out of the gate on, you know, on fire and they're going to give this defense a run for their money. And I don't think Georgia's offense is going to be enough well, to hang with yeah. Alabama's defense. And, you know, some people I've gotten this question a lot over the last uh, week is, you know, was the Ole Miss Alabama game more about Alabama's defense being really bad and worse than we thought, or Ole Miss's offense going actually kind of good. And it's definitely Ole Miss offense is actually kind of good. You know, so. they, they, they avoided Josh Joe and Patrick Chetain on the outsides. Like completely. And, yeah. Everything was, them. everything was in the middle of the field. I saw ESPN's Bill Connolly post his like passing map for, for Matt Corral. And it's like, everything is in the, everything is in the middle of the field, but it's, it's that, you know, the way that, that, um, you know, Levy and, and Kiffin want to run the offense, which is, yeah, we're going to spread you out. We're going to make you cover sideline to sideline, but by spreading you out, we're going to create space inside of you. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So that, that, that's my whole reasoning. Stetson Bennett, you know, I think he can be a good, reliable quarterback for Georgia, but 
he's not going to be the quarterback that leads him to victory over a very, very good Alabama team, in my opinion. If it was Jamie Newman, on the other hand, I think the dude could have put up points. But I'm going to have to push that away, go cry a little bit about it later, just because we all know how I feel about Jamie Newman. But, yeah, yeah I think Alabama's blowing this one out of the water. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, the thing with Stetson Bennett is he hasn't – he's been – Good. I know Richard Johnson, I spoke to Richard Johnson about this, about how good he's been over the middle of the field and how most he's been very accurate and he's got some good timing over the middle of the field. But overall, I think he's definitely a game manager. And I'm not sure if we believe, and I think me and you are on the same page, if we believe that Alabama will still score on Georgia's defense, then where are you getting the explosive plays or I'd say enough explosive plays? Because I think the receiving core has looked very good to start the season. You know, Pickens, you know, didn't play for a lot of the game um, last weekend, but he's he's a, he's a star. And then, you know, Burton played well and Karis Jackson has played well. So, but is the quarterback good enough to get them down the field? And then are we going to see an expansive Georgia Bulldogs offense that is not just going to line up and try and pound the ball into Alabama? That is the wrong decision because Alabama will take three plays to go down the field. You can't take 10 and then settle for a field goal. All right. Um, another great time talking to you, Tony. Uh, maybe uh, next week we can find more uh, NBA players who are moonlighting as college football stars. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for joining me once again. Um, I'm Seth Kalina, and this was the PFF, the college football podcast.